0: It's 721. Joining us now at our studios is the superintendent of schools here in Northfield, Dr. Matt Hillman. Matt, good morning. Good morning,
1: Jeff. Happy Tuesday. Uh, happy Tuesday. I'm going to tell you, it's going to take me some time to get used to uh, the Archer House being gone. I mean, you, you drive by and you just are like, oh my it just it's it's stark every time that I see it. So I, I look forward to what's going to go there, but it certainly is a, a transition phase for us all.
0: Yeah, for the downtown Northfield, it's kind of... Uh, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. <laughs> Just a, a big hole right there, but they did. Uh, I think they're going to open up the sidewalk today, okay. which uh, we'll be able to walk out uh, safely down the street. <laughs> it's yeah, we're be...
1: certainly sad about that whole situation, but yeah. also. Looking forward with optimism as to how that will reinvent downtown.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the school board meeting that happened last night. Yes. Uh, The big thing on the uh, the uh, agenda was uh, a change in COVID protocol. Uh, Can you explain what the the changes,
1: the proposed changes, uh, will be, and did that get approved last night? Yeah, so the board did unanimously approve the uh, changes to our COVID-19 protocols effective February 21st. So it's really important for uh, parents and students and community members to understand that we're still using our, our protocols as is for the remainder of this week. Uh, and then uh, we will shift to a different set of protocols uh, beginning next week. And uh, this does, Mark, want to be very clear that uh you know, by changing these protocols, we're, we're not declaring victory over the pandemic or saying that the pandemic is over. What we're saying is that the public health situation has improved enough, uh, which it has. It's rapidly improved over the last couple of weeks. And the trajectory is such uh, that we believe we can make these changes to our protocols without jeopardizing our commitment to uninterrupted in-person learning. So I'm going to share the protocol changes, and then I'm going to come back to why we made those changes. Uh, so the key component that if of course, in all of society uh, is the area of focus, are face coverings. And so beginning on February 21st, uh, face coverings are going to be recommended but optional inside of Northfield School District facilities except for the Northfield Community Education Center. And the reason for that is that's our early childhood building, and the most of the children in that building are not yet eligible for for vaccination. We're not saying that those protocols may not change at some point. We are just holding as is right now with that building. So uh, beginning February 21st, face coverings become recommended but optional inside a Norfield School District facility except for the Norfield Community Ed Center. Another really important point that I cannot emphasize enough is that the Transportation Security Administration, TSA, uh, they govern all of the over-the-road and in-the-air transportation. And the TSA has a rule that says all people ages 2 and older must wear a face covering on a school bus. So for families whose children uh, ride the school bus or for our athletes who take buses uh, elsewhere, everyone's going to continue to be required to wear a face covering on the school bus. And so uh, it's very important that people understand that part as well. We have, we've heard some rumblings that that might be changing in the next few weeks as well. I believe that that rule expires uh, in uh, March. But for right now, we know that people are going to have to continue to wear a face covering on a, a school bus. So please plan to do so. Uh, The other uh, really kind of key change is really going to be around contact tracing and quarantining. So for uh, quite some time now, a student who is considered a close contact to someone who had tested positive for COVID-19, if they were not vaccinated, if they were not wearing a a mask at the time, they would have had to have quarantined. We did have an innovative test to stay program that really reduced the number of quarantines, uh, but we're no longer going to require quarantine for people who are considered close contacts. And we're no longer going to complete contact tracing, uh, detailed contact tracing in our schools. That means that we say, who are you around? Um, We're not going to get into that level of detail. Uh, Remember, too, that the Northfield Community Ed Center, all their protocols stay the same. So they will continue to quarantine and those kinds of things until further notice. We're taking some additional time to look at the protocols in that building, especially because those youngest children have not yet been eligible for vaccination. So those are the things that have really changed. Face coverings become recommended but optional on February 21st. You still have to wear a face covering inside the NCEC and on a school bus. Uh, we're going to eliminate the need to quarantine for students who are considered close contacts to those who uh, have tested positive for COVID-19, uh, except for, of course, at the NCEC. And we're going to stop doing that level, detailed level of contact tracing. Um, what is not going to change is that if, you are, if your child is sick, keep them home we are able to make these protocol changes some of these protocol changes because we are still going to address illness in the same way that we have before so if someone has influenza or cold like or excuse me influenza or covid like symptoms they need to stay home and then they need to take a covid test and if they have a negative test and their symptoms are improving they can return to school for anyone who tests positive for covid-19 we're going to continue with the same thing we've been doing for the last several weeks you have to stay home for 5 days from the date of the test And then you can return to school after you've had a negative rapid antigen test. The maximum isolation is what we call that is 10 days. So those pieces around people who are symptomatic and ill are remaining the same. And that's going to be the key thing to allowing us to scale back some of these other uh, protocols. So those are essentially the protocol changes, Jeff. We're still requiring uh, vaccination for volunteers. We're still empowering each building to determine what it can do for visitors and volunteers like we have since the beginning. We're still encouraging people to wash their hands, right? Uh, we're still encouraging, encouraging people to cover their coughs. All of those good, normal things that are good for our own hygiene. This, again, does not indicate that we think that the pandemic is over. What it does indicate is that we are moving to a different phase of managing it. And finally, before I, if you have any questions, Jeff, on this part, uh, the important thing is that we are prepared to reactivate these protocols if we see the public health situation deteriorating. So we are going to use the influenza and COVID like illness rate at each school building. And if that rate, if the, if more than 5% of the students are out on average uh, for a week, we will look at the data and consider reactivating the safety protocols, including masking at that site only for a defined period of time to try to help mitigate those kinds of things. So, um, We also, if we see something come through or we see a real spike in cases, we'll use the same process we've used throughout the pandemic, consulting with public health and medical professionals and make any decisions that we need to to reactivate our safety protocols for a short period of time.
0: You had mentioned that the uh, numbers are going down. Yes. they're trending in the right direction. Do you, uh, you know, last I've heard, it's been a couple of weeks since I've talked with numbers with anyone. What do they look like over the course of uh, maybe the last couple of weeks since uh, the first of February? Do you have that uh, information? Um,
1: I, believe it or not, I do. I can <laughs> I can certainly give it to you for uh, the school district. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we, as you all know, when we've talked the last few times, we were seeing. Um, literally over 300 cases, uh, which had been reported in the last uh, 14 days. Uh, We were at a point where we were having more active cases in the middle of the Omicron surge than we had had all of last year. Uh, But that has precipitously declined. When I updated the dashboard this morning, uh, the school district has 51 active cases across the entire system, which is back to some of the levels we saw in the fall, and it continues to drop each day. So the good news is that we've seen those cases precipitously drop. We've also seen the county rate drop significantly as well. The county rate per 100,000 residents uh, yesterday was in that 500 range. And I do want to share that this is a, the, the cases going down is one of the main reasons that we feel we can safely make these changes at this time while not jeopardizing our commitment to in-person learning. So there's just a couple of reasons, Jeff. One, again, we've seen the case rates drop significantly. And the case rates are are becoming less and less of a viable way for us as a school district to make decisions. We're starting to see the county rate differ significantly from the local Northfield-Dundas rate. So just last week, in fact, this is an example of how quickly things are improving. Just last week, the county rate per 100,000 residents was over 1,000. Yesterday, it was in that 500 range. But last week, when we did the calculation of Rice County versus the Northfield-Dundas number, Northfield and Dundas were in the mid-200s, and the county was at a thousand. Now, that's not been typical during the pandemic, but we've seen that more pronounced over the last month. And there's a variety of different reasons for that, the different kind of congregate living living settings that are in cities throughout the county. But really, the change from the case rate that we had been looking at as an exit strategy to the influenza-like illness rate is significant because we're just seeing that those case rates are not meaning as much as they once did the advent of rapid tests, in fact, sometimes those things are undercounted because those don't have to be reported to the county. The influenza-like or the COVID-like illness rate at each of our school buildings is the most hyper-local data that we can get, and we, we feel that we now have confidence that we can use that data to interrupt any potential outbreak. And so uh, the cases have gone down significantly. Um, over the weekend, from the time of Thursday till yesterday, we had only added nine cases to the dashboard in the district. I don't remember the last time that a weekend was that quiet for us on the COVID front. So, um, what we're seeing is greater immunity. So, for example, at Northfield High School, the immunity rate amongst students is 88%. So that means that 88% of Northfield High School students have either had both doses of the vaccine or have had COVID in the last 90 days. Um, that's a pretty darn good protection rate, you know, in a public environment. And so, those are some those are some of the data reasons. And then. I think the other two reasons that we looked that we could make this change safely, Jeff, was that vaccinations now have been available for children ages 5 and older since November. So, we know that the vaccination rates have slowed. People who have wanted the vaccine for their child have had ample opportunity. People with immunocompromised systems or uh, adults uh, and including many of our high schoolers have had a chance for the booster shot. And then the other thing that's really changed in the last month is how freely available now high-quality masks are. This was not the case before January. Um, KN95 masks, KN94s, N95s, and Rice County is giving away free N99s. I didn't even know such a thing existed. So for people who still want that extra layer of mitigation for themselves, they do have greater tools to provide that individual protection that we just didn't have before. And when we didn't have those before, We needed to mask everybody so that we could minimize the transmission. So those are just a few of the reasons that we felt it was safe to make this change at this time. And we're giving a full week, uh, Jeff, because we know that people's mindset needs to change. And so we really want to honor the fact that this is a pretty significant transition. So I've got some people who thought it should have been eliminated at midnight last night. I've got other people who think we should have kept it through the end of the school year. And at the end of the day, we looked at what's the reasonable time frame that we think people need to make a a mindset adjustment, and we landed on about 10 days after we announced it, which was on Friday, and a little more than a week after the board, or one week after the board approved it.
0: Superintendent of Schools, uh, Dr. Matt Hillman, is with us. Uh, let's um, change the uh, subject here a little bit and go with, uh, yeah, there are a, a lot of financial components as well to last night's uh, school board meeting, uh, your operating capital, uh, long-term stuff, budget stuff. Tell us about those.
1: So this is the time of year when we, we start working on our capital projects. Uh, so when we talk about capital in schools we 're talking about doing things like um, updating some of our facility work, so it could be repairing uh, driveways and uh, sidewalks it can be repairing roofs we 've talked about that we 're replacing the middle school roof um, it could be doing some uh, classroom updates uh, just those kinds of physical updates it can also be equipment right that we have so we look at those budgets really early in the budget cycle so that we can procure contractors, that we can start getting things in order, so that right away on July 1, you know, we're able to procure some of those things and actually able to get some of those projects uh, started before July 1. Because as we know, the construction season or that season in Minnesota is very short. And the school year really have until the end of June to September, right, to get a lot of those projects done. So Director of Finance Val Mertestorf and Director of Buildings and Grounds Cole Nelson proposed the capital budget and the long-term facilities maintenance revenue budget. Long-term facilities maintenance revenue, we call that LTFM for short. That's a program that the state provides funding per student for the upkeep of your facilities. That uh, bill was a game-changer for Minnesota school districts to be able to keep their facilities up to date. It was authored by uh, former Northfield Senator Kevin Dahl. We always like to share that, that he was the architect of probably one of the most significant financial uh, supports for school districts in the last 20 years. And so we talked about uh, just the various budget pieces last night, but what I want to share is just some of the kinds of things um, that it accomplishes. So in, the, in this last year, we used some of our uh, uh, capital projects money to renovate the old district office, At the high school into several student spaces and the technology services office anybody who's gone into a bathroom at northfield high school knows that they were decrepit and that's a generous word so we did update eight bathrooms at the high school uh, this past summer we did things like replace the windows in the middle school pool we resurfaced the middle school tennis courts that's the kind of thing that we use this money for so coming up this year we're actually going to add a science room within bridgewater um, to make sure that they have a similar science space uh, to what uh, Greenvale Park and what Spring Creek have. It's not a new addition, right? It's just that we're going to either construct a room uh, potentially inside of the media center uh, or use an existing classroom to do that. We're still finalizing that process. Uh, we're, we have to replace our trucks. So we, have a, we do all of our own snow plowing. So we're replacing a large pouch, uh, large plow truck. Um, We are doing things like some remodeling of the high school office. Uh, We're replacing flooring in the music and media rooms at Bridgewater. We're going to resurface the district track, which is at the middle school. Again, there's always some patch and repairing of payment. And then we're also investing in career technical education by updating two very expensive pieces of equipment at the high school shop. Uh, We're going to update a panel sander in the high school wood shop and the CNC plasma table. So this is the kind of thing uh, that the capital projects budget uh, addresses.
0: Boy, there's a lot of projects. You know, once you start naming them, boy, yeah, it takes a lot to operate a school district. No it doubt does, about absolutely. it.
1: Absolutely, no doubt about it. Uh, what else? Anything else from last night's meeting? I do just want to point out um, to families uh, two final items. One is that we did make a change. Uh, there's three final items. One is that I've emailed families several times about an upcoming bio- budget prioritization process, um, and we've been asking people to participate. Um, we uh, that that interest form closed yesterday, so. I'll be looking for some additional people to help us take a look at the budget uh, for the next several years. As you know, Jeff, we've managed our money very, very well. We've been allotted many times by our auditing firms. Uh, we were recently validated for our financial oversight by Standard & Poor's with one of the top six bond ratings of public school districts in the state. But we do have declining enrollment, as we talked about the last time, so I encourage uh, listeners to go back to that show from the last time to listen to my summary of Hazel Reinhardt's demographic study. We're going to lose about 400 students over uh, the period of 10 years. That comes with lost revenue. And uh, we have four meetings that we have scheduled to engage uh, uh, in committee work to make recommendations for the board of how we will adjust our expense, reduce our expenditures over the next several years uh, to meet the reality of that declining enrollment and the continued chronic underfunding that the state has done for public schools. So please see that previous story that we talked about, and I can give Rich some additional information. Uh, We did make a minor change to the school calendar for 22-23 last night, uh, really just a result of our negotiations with the Northfield Education Association. The start date of the school year and the end date of the school year will basically, they they remain the same. There's a couple of different changes about when we'll have family conferences, and then there's going to be two days of uh, teacher work time in between the first, second, and third quarter, and I'll make sure you have that calendar that you can post uh, on the web And then uh, finally, um, I want to just emphasize that in addition to the changes to our COVID protocols, um, we are also doing some uh, expansion of our testing, our Q drive-through testing. So it still is only for people associated with the school district. But what we're changing is it's now going to be for either people who are symptomatic or asymptomatic, and it can be for a student, a staff member. Um, or anyone who lives in the same household as one of our students or staff members so we're just going to expand a little bit the access so if uh if i'm bringing my child uh to get a covid test at the district office and i need one too as a parent i can now get one as well from the district office
0: all right Matt, thank you so much for coming in today. A wealth of information. We appreciate that. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of
1: weeks. You bet. Thanks so much, Jeff. Have a great day.
0: (laughs) Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Matt Hillman. You're listening to 95.1 FM and AM 1080, KYMN, Northfield.